Hello, hello. Let's get going. Hello. My name, Marwat. That site, Hometown. I'm the mayor of Hometown. I put together the Hometown Daily News Show. Today's episode is the Hometown Daily News Show Top 10 for December 14th, 2022. Pappy is expensive, epic shutdowns, NASA glitch, and more news. You know, the music sounds really loud here, and I'm monitoring it, but it doesn't... My voice is fine, but I have background music again. Long story. Not really a long story. Doesn't matter story. The, The stories that matter are really the ones that I'm about to go through. Not the trials and tribulations of a mayor of a mythical town stuck in the lines of the internet where everything flows through it. That's right. Hometown. If you were there, you'd be home. Kind of pithy, huh? Anyway, let's get into today's news. The first one is in the Distillerist channel, which is one of the six main channels here at Hometown. And um, about 200 article uh, sources get funneled into these six categories and uh, about 50 channels underneath them. So then I got these six main categories and then 50 channels. Looking forward to 2023 starting. I want to make 2023 a better year than 2022. That'd be pretty cool, right? I'll be kicking off VR. I'll be streaming. Maybe it really depends on how it goes. I'm going to be streaming after the hometown daily news show, um, another show. And I'm thinking that maybe I'll be doing VR, uh, more often, um, kind of a VR exclusive thing. And instead, like most people play games, um, but not necessarily VR here on, on, uh, Twitch. Um, and I, I dig it. I used to do fundamental research in VR. And what was this? I don't know, something about caps. Anyway, I used to do um, fundamental research in VR, in phobia treatment, um, pain management, and education. And I'd like to, to do it like gaming here. I got the equipment. I've had the index before, but I sold it. Um, but yeah, let's let's just get back to the news. I, I'm easily sidetracked. So if you're sitting in my chat, welcome to the show. Um, again, this first article is in the Distillerist channel. Pappy Van Winkle, 23-year-old, sells for $52,000. And Pappy Van Winkle has actually been pretty popular for a while. Um, I, I don't know if... Everybody really buys into it, but it's supposed to be very good. Um, but has this kind of a, a name that people think is not necessarily when they hear it, they go, what the heck is Pappy Van Winkle? Well, anyways, it's whiskey and it's supposed to be pretty good. I've never had it. The bottle sold for more than 17 times its pre-sale estimate of 3000 to $4,000 at a Sotheby auction in New York on December 10th. Two collectors were in a bidding frenzy for the bottle, pushing the final price higher. The auctioneer said, Released in 2008, the 23-year-old bottle of whiskey was sold with its original black velvet bag. 
that's probably why I mean it's basically mint condition untouched um, so let's take a look at the article itself it's over at the spirits business which is actually it focuses more on spirits and, and the business aspect of it so it keeps people informed you might be interested in this stuff you might not be um, but hometown has a little bit of everything um, you know food drink entertainment education um, gaming all kinds of stuff just go over to hometown.com check it out um, that said that's what it looks like pappy van winkles 23 year old family reserve whiskey $52,000. Yeah, so it says here all 14 of the individual bottles of Pappy Van Winkle uh, on offer sold for sums for more than their estimates, achieving a total of 300 well, I'm just going <laughs> to $400,000. 14 bottles sold for $400,000. Anyway, um this is what I was kind of talking about uh, that Happy Van Winkle's brand has achieved a cult-like following among collectors. Um, a couple of years ago, I started hearing more and more about Pappy Van Winkle, it being a quality brand, somebody that um, was, or I should say, a product that people really appreciated. Well, it's been around for a while. It says, uh, Old Rip Van Winkle brand was first created before Prohibition and reintroduced in 1972 following the repeal. The lots formed part of the Whiskey and Whiskey Seasonal Spirits and Yamazaki 55 auction, which hit a total of $1.8 million, surpassing pre-sale expectations of just shy of $1.3 million. Well, between $900 and $1.3 million. Pretty good if you're a collector of whiskeys. I am not. Uh, I'm a marginal drinker, but I appreciate it. The next article, oh, and let me start doing this again. Um, I, I stopped throwing them in chat, but I will throw them in chat now. There you go. I don't know why Nightbot blocked a, uh, a caps thing, but that's kind of weird. Hold on a second. Let me see what was going on. Oh. That's weird. Okay. Well, anyway, Nightbot did it. If you're still in my chat, I don't see you. Um, I see you, Beans. Sorry about that. I've got two different logins, and so the one that I was looking at didn't see what was going on. At any rate, um, if you're still here, say hi. Just not all caps. Um, the next article is um, a cyber attack shuts down the Met Opera's box office, but the show goes on after hackers knock out the ticket selling system of the Met, the largest performing arts organization in the United States. The company decided to sell $50 general admission seats. How about that? Um, I think the Met might be a target because of um, their political connection with OAC or AOC, sorry, AOC. Um, and um, maybe that's why the hackers knocked it out, thinking that they were going to really hurt it, but eh, they're not going to hurt it like that. Um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, I haven't done any due diligence on this. Um, before I go into it, let me throw this in the chat so that you can 
follow that link. Of course, you can always hit exclamation point showbot, and that will give you a link to ometown.showbot.tv, which is um, basically a, vo a voting board where you can vote on an article or articles that you think are interesting and that you would like me to um, that you would like me to cover more often. Um, hello, beans. How are you? Thank you for coming. Can you kind of hear the music? My monitor tends to show it a little bit uh, richer than what goes out over to Twitch. So yeah, that works. Okay. So if it's distracting, let me know uh, if you can hear it, then uh, hopefully it's just below everything that I'm talking about. Kind of filling in the dead air so that <laughs> it doesn't just sound like I'm talking in a little snippet and then talking in a little snippet. Um, at any rate, the, if you have any comments or questions or you want to talk more about something in particular, let me know. I'm happy to diverge. I'm kind of like a cat. So, um, I, I treat comments kind of like a moat of dust and I will follow it wherever it lands and then come back. And, uh, yeah, I might scratch to bite, hiss, pee on the carpet. <laughs> I don't, I've said too much. Let's move on. So the cyber attack shuts down the Met Opera's box office, but they end up selling the tickets to general admission, 50 bucks. The show must go on, as they say. And it says a curtain was set to rise on Met's grandiose old school production of Verdi's Aida in uh, 45 minutes and 300 audience members had managed to score the sold out $50 general admission tickets that the cyber attack had forced the company to offer as a workaround until its computer systems were fully restored. Yay, virtual machines probably, or just rebooting from a uh, restore point. Not sure what they did. It says some had feared running of the bull situation with opera lovers jockeying for prime seats that ordinarily cost as much as $350 a piece. Yeah, some might actually do that. I don't know if people are really running of the bulls type when they are dressed like that going to the Met Opera. Yeah. I don't think a feeding frenzy is going to manifest at the Met. Just a guess. Um, let's see. So knocked out the ticketing system that typically handles about $200,000 in sales each day at this time of year and took down the company's payroll system, forcing it to cut checks by hand for some of its 3000 full and part-time employees. It was the latest major disruption for a company struggling to lure audiences back to pre pandemic levels. And it hit just as the lucrative holiday season was getting underway. Well, they should contact me. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are just like me that are fully capable of uh, consulting for a solution like this or to a problem like this. But hey, um, maybe they've got somebody better. But that's pretty cool. They said, you know what? Let's not turn this into a thing and, and give the hackers any you know, feather in their cap. Let's just sell it for 50 bucks and get some people butts in seats as it were. So Gelb declined to elaborate on who was behind the attack, but the cybersecurity expert said that given how long it was taking the Met to get back online, the attack bore the hallmarks of an increasingly prevalent type of modern day piracy. 
that has targeted businesses, local governments, hospitals, even hotels. The weapon, a type of software known as ransomware. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, back in the day, we used to call it CryptoLocker. That was a type. And basically, it encrypts your software, your information, everything. Leaves you a little note saying, hey, you're kind of screwed until you pay either Bitcoin or some other way of uh, getting your encryption key or decryption key. It goes both ways. And um, you basically fill in the blank and it decrypts everything. But from that point on, you have no idea, none, zero, zilch, how they got in, if they're still in, what they're up to. So you really should do a forensic investigation of network traffic, but you have to be prepared for that kind of stuff, which is why security consultants are important to every level of enterprise. Even if you're an individual, you really should talk to somebody that is knowledgeable in the field of cybersecurity. Um, and it could be as easy as going to, in some cases, you know, putting out feelers uh, with um, professors at a community college that focuses on cybersecurity um, or a university that has a four-year program. Uh, but get somebody to make sure that you have a modicum of protections in place. And it really starts with something as simple as a glass wire for a Windows machine or little snitch for Macs. Um, Linux is a little bit more complicated and you have to be a little, uh, not a little bit, you have to be a lot more knowledgeable about Linux um, if you're even exposed to the internet on your personal machines or business equipment. And um, a lot of people will sit there and say, well, you know, the weakest link is um, the, our people. But some researchers are saying that it isn't necessarily that way. Um, so don't necessarily just be protective of the people, you know, over kind of like hover parenting people within your enterprise. You really should just install some software and start monitoring things. Um, and doing um, backups regularly. At any rate, the Met went on. Let's go on to the next article. <clears throat> the next article is in the Mobile Channel. Oregon governor commutes all of the state's death sentences. Um, it says Brown 62 announced the commutations will take effect Wednesday, December 14th, in a full-throated condemnation and repudiation of the death penalty. Taking office in 2015, they have continued Oregon's moratorium on executions because the death penalty is both dysfunctional and immoral. Today, I'm commuting Oregon's death row so that it will no longer have anyone serving a death sentence uh, facing execution in the state. Um, to me, this is it's this has always been a point of contention for some, um, but for me, I don't think the death penalty should exist. Um, and it's really simple. There, there's one simple reason. We have a history of making mistakes in the justice system. And when I have conversations with people in the criminal justice system and the response, and it's kind of a sustained refrain that I have heard over the years, and I've heard them for many, many years, we generally get it right, um, is not good enough because you can't resurrect somebody once the, de the death penalty has been... Um, performed. I mean, and it really is that it's a series of steps that put somebody, 
haphazardly to sleep permanently, right? Um, and uh, if there is a single false positive, there is a problem. Um, and so you have to, out of, out of an abundance of humanity, you have to pause or stop wholesale the death sentence. Um, there are other ways of seeking justice and um, killing somebody is not necessarily the right. Well, it's never the right way. It really isn't. Um, so kudos to Oregon for taking these steps. Um, I think that it's rather <laughs> dystopian and rather disgusting that we even have a room that's set up like this um, designed to delete people from the planet. Um, it's bad enough that we fight over things like water um, and power, political power, let alone strapping somebody to a table like this. Tim Steele and Nextar Media Wire put together this article over at the Hill. I don't know if I said it, who it was in the other articles. So let me back up real quick. The uh, cyber attack on the Met was written by uh, Dan Belefsky. And um, the Pappy Van Winkle was uh, Nicola Carruthers. Um, apologies for delaying giving credit where credit is due. I always do in the show. I always say who I'm um, kind of teasing the articles of. <laughs> so I encourage you to go over and read the more detailed. If it piques your curiosity, go over and read the more detailed article. And, but that's what this one is there. It says here, there's 17 prisoners. I hope that I kind of tease you into going and reading more about this. Um, not just from my, uh, social perspective, but maybe the technical aspects or the business aspects, something that I have experience in, I kind of, uh, try to give context and maybe a divergent perspective that you might find an affinity with, you know, I hope that you do, uh, and then come back and visit me and, and talk with me about this kind of stuff. But uh, com commuting the, the 17 prisoners on Oregon's death row is kind of a simple task, right? You should be able to just say, yeah, well, we have made mistakes in our history. Um, and like I said, in the entire history of Oregon, if there is one false positive, it is not okay. Because just think if it was your family member or you. Um, that was a victim of a false positive, something where it was railroaded through the legal system. And um, you find out later that the cop planted something or had some other unethical behavior uh, or um, exculpatory evidence wasn't provided to your defense. Um, it It's just kind of dystopian and disgusting. So done and done right brown became oregon governor in february of 2015 when john kitzaber uh, resigned kitzaber initially announced the death penalty moratorium in the state before the scheduled 2011 election of gary hogan um, or hugan uh, is it huge i think it might be hugan sorry i i try to phonetically pronounce some of these names and just kind of hack them all up so anyway um she has been consistent in her opposition to the death penalty throughout her term as governor. So, um, this article goes into much greater detail, um, but I will 
leave that up to you to go and check out more. Uh, the next article is Epic is shutting down online uh, services for classic rock band and Unreal Tournament games. I'm not sure. Let's see. I'm not sure how many people will be impacted by this. Um, there seems to be an uptick of services getting shut down for things that people have paid for. Um, Epic Games began is beginning to shut down online services for a large selection of its older games, including Rock Band 1 through 3, uh, The Beatles, Rock Band, Unreal Tournament 2, 2003 and 2004. The company is making the changes, quote, as we move solely or to solely support Epic Online Services with its unified friends system, voice chat features, parental controls and parental verification features. Um, Epic said in a blog post on Wednesday and the shutdowns will begin on Wednesday. So let's go take a look. Maybe there is some more information over here at theverge.com. Jay Peters put this article together and it says a lot of Epic titles will be losing online functionality, but for Unreal Tournament fans, there is a small ray of light. So let's hunt for this small ray of light. Um, Epic is also beginning to remove the games from digital storefronts where you could still buy them and disabling in-game DLC purchases. The shutdowns will begin on Wednesday for the below games. Online services will be fully disabled by July or January uh, 24th, 2023. Um, though you can still play single player or offline multiplayer, which that all kind of sucks. Oh, you know, every time I do it, I fly too close to the sun, which is the bottom of the page of The Verge, and then it just floods the browser with half a mile of stuff. And while I value their writing and raising awareness about things, that really annoys the hell out of me. Epic is making a few changes for other games and apps as well. On Wednesday, the Mac and Linux versions of Avian Dating Simulators Hateful Boyfriend, right? Is that or Hatoful? I may, I don't know how it's pronounced. Anyway, uh, the these two games in a mobile game called Drop Mix will be pulled from storefronts. Battle Breakers, a free-to-play RPG, will be shut down on December 30th. Unreal Tournament Alpha and Rock Band Blitz, the Rock Band companion app, and VR karaoke game uh, Scene Space will be shut down on January 24th. Let's see here. What else? Uh, confusingly, it says Unreal Tournament 3X's release date is listed as November 19th, 2007. And there's no there's a notice that the game is no longer available on the storefront. But given that Unreal Tournament 3 originally launched that same day, it seems Epic might be repurposing the older game's Steam page for the newer release. But Epic didn't reply it says decline to comment so maybe there's something in the wings coming let's move on to the next article um i was considering like putting transition um stingers between these but sometimes it's two minutes of me chattering on about a particular article and then moving on so i don't know if it really matters uh, this next article is over in the word in tech eight twitter finance gurus charged with criminal pump and dump scheme i find that one really interesting because i don't think that i would ever turn to twitter 
for any finance guru guruing um i just it seems like it would run really close to insider trading or bullshit one of the two it's really one of the two um because it's either pure opinion um or it's somebody has a vested interest in um pumping and dumping a particular scheme now i don't mind opinion opinion is fine as long as it is framed within that this a lot of the stuff that i say is opinion i actually have some facts or um, i can support my opinion with evidence from my actual experiences um, but it's still opinion unless i throw up a chart and say this is where it's referenced from Sometimes I say exactly where it's referenced from when I make a comment because uh, I know it from experience and I can say, hey, go look at the St. Louis Fed um, website and, and pull up the producer price index or the consumer price index or some other thing that is demonstrably factual um, and see it for yourself. I just don't necessarily do it on the stream because I try and keep it within hometown. Um, at any rate, going to, or using Twitter for your financial investment consulting or, uh, as a, your consultant is not advised. So according to the indictment, members of a discord based forum called Atlas trading use that platform and Twitter to promote stocks. They purchased in large quantities, making misleading statements about, yeah, it's a pump dump. Um, and Golly, if there aren't people out there that do this somewhat as a joke, but we don't know what they're doing with their statements, like, I don't know, making Tesla private, maybe, I don't know. Okay, well, anyway. Once followers had uh, driven up the price, the group allegedly secretly sold off the stock to maximize their profits. Yes, this is a pump and dump. Um, the article was uh, originally over at The Verge, so I, I thought it was really interesting um, that it says we're robbing effing idiots of their money. This is equivalent of what Zuckerberg said about people using Facebook, that they too are effing idiots um, because they provided their personal information. And then he touted that ever that information, that privacy is dead. I'm shocked that people still use Facebook for anything considering what it is and, and its history and how it's connected um, to other quasi government agencies and whatnot. I'm going to get in trouble if I keep talking like that. Addie Robertson over at The Verge put this art article together. Um, I think it's uh, good that these people have been caught. And I think that Twitter really needs, oh, I don't know, oversight? Oh, you mean the consortium that is now defunct because Twitter got rid of it? Oh, shocking, shocking. I wonder when all of these people were actually detected. The conspiracy allegedly ran between January 2020 through at least April 2022. Oh, you mean when there was an oversight committee? Huh. 
I wonder if in the Twitter files there is evidence that this was actually propelled forward by oversight within Twitter. I don't know. The conspirators included uh, Edward, oh my God, Constantinescu, wow, who went by Zach Morris on Twitter and currently has 500,000 followers. My God. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is amazing. 500,000 followers, for crying out loud. Are they all bots? I don't know. Um, Perry PJ Matlock, John Robert. Rebarjik, I guess, or Rebarjik, uh, who went by the Stock Sniper with 267,000 followers. And you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to give them any more attention. The defendants' fraud charges carry a maximum penalty of 25 years each. And uh, the ringleader faces an additional 10 years from a charge of engaging in unlawful monetary transactions. Yeah. You know, I think if a lot of uh, billionaires had the same audit, they too would be charged with 10 years for unlawful monetary transactions. We just don't know uh, because everything is a black box. We'll get to something that is driving my cynicism. I try to be positive about things and, and just talk about the news and my perspective. But man, sometimes you just the real talk is cynical perspective um keeps you safe but let's go on to the next article um moderna just used a, a personalized vaccine to treat cancer and it could signal a major breakthrough in how we treat the disease didn't so moderna's cancer vaccine lowered the risk of death and skin cancer recurrence and mid-stage study analysts say the vaccine's long-term success still needs to be proven quote now we are an oncology company end quote moderna ceo i i guess it's stefan or stefan uh bansel i don't know uh i've never heard their name so i try yet again at least i try so the biotech company Moderna just announced a significant advance in its efforts to treat cancer. And let's take a look at this article. It's over at Business Insider. And it's uh, by Andrew Dunn. And I think that it's pretty cool. I, the only way really to treat cancer is either um, nuke it, which is exactly what gets done. They, they pour... Uh, material into your blood so that you can um, wipe out the cancer and mitigate its poisoning of you. There are um, chemical beacons and markers in your blood that actually propel the growth and the possibility of it metastasizing. And so we we basically do chemo and try and kill everything and not the host. But in the process, it does kill everything. It weakens your immune system. It actually impacts you very, very long term. Uh, the, um, yeah, I, I won't really get into the anecdotal experience, but let's just say that personalizing a vaccine so that it targets a, a cancer and maybe it does something more than 
this is just the entry level, right? This, the skin cancer recurrence um, or risk of death. This is the entry, the, the, the gateway for more personalized vaccine um, targeting of cancer because cancer itself is personal. When they do a genetic analysis of uh, a cancer cell, it's personal to that particular person's uh, genetic makeup. So if you want to get rid of a personal cancer, and they all are, then you have to create a personal uh, weaponized vaccine to go in there, wipe out the cancer and nothing else. So um, that's what Moderna is doing. And if they make this happen, uh, this will revolutionize cancer treatment. Um, really, I just have to say nothing will be the same in terms of cancer. Um, because hopefully it will do exactly what it needs to do and it will uh, save everybody from having to go through chemo. I mean, it's just for, for most people, um, it doesn't treat them well in any way other than stopping the cancer or at least mitigating it. So the recent study treated 157 patients with serious cases of melanoma, a common type of skin cancer. The patients had surgery to remove their cancer and then received treatment with either just Merck's cancer drug, Keytruda, uh, the current standard of care, or Keytruda and Moderna's vaccine. Moderna designed each vaccine to the unique DNA, and there you go, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, the unique DNA of each person's tumor through a largely automated laboratory process. The group that got Moderna vaccine had a 44% reduction in the rate of cancer recurrence and death compared to the trial participants who just got Keytruda. So done and done. Now all they do is uh, test it a little bit more and refine its the, the treatment mechanism and the processing mechanism and ta-da. The Cambridge, Massachusetts-based biotech vaulted to prominence in 2020 by developing one of the first coronavirus vaccines using its mRNA technology. So kudos to Moderna, if only I had purchased their stock. Um, let's move on. The next article is um, over in the Hatchadias channel, which is all about business and pivoting, transformation, etc., intellectual property development, um, etc. I mean, there's a lot of things that we talk about. Um, at any rate, uh, NASA fixed a glitch in Voyager 1 after consulting a 45-year-old manual. Uh, the spacecraft was beaming information through a dead computer. In May, a NASA scientist said Voyager 1's spacecraft was sending back inaccurate data from its attitude control system. A lot of uh, conspiracy theories were uh, aliens had tampered with it. Um, or some other thing, you know, wormhole or whatever. And um, in order to find a fix, engineers dug through decades-old manuals. Well, you got a decades-old device, and you got to dig through decades-old manuals. Hopefully, they've scanned these things and put them into uh, PDF form so that you can actually scan it. And there isn't somebody sitting there with an old shop manual for their car flipping through page after page and then when they find where they think that answer is it's been torn out because everybody else has run across this problem i've never had to worry about this with a voyager spacecraft but a vehicle shop manual i certainly have that's always lovely 
So they solved the mysterious glitch in late August. NASA officials wrote in an update, and turns out the spacecraft was beaming information through a broken computer. That would kind of... Who knows? Maybe somebody hacked it. Uh, a, an alien out in space hacked it, and it has ransomware on it. Um, and all it's doing is sending back a coded message by an alien... Uh, asking us if we want to renew our vehicle warranty. This article is over at businessinsider.com by uh, Paula Rosa Aquino. And uh, there is a picture of the Voyager 1 spacecraft. Maybe taken from that uh, Tesla Roadster that's out there. I know, it's probably a render. Oh, it is a render. It says, artist concept of the Voyager 1 spacecraft. We have pictures of it. Why? Eh, anyway, somebody probably had to pay for it. So, why it occurred is still uncertain. That's eh, because technology fails eventually. I need to upgrade my computer. Computers are pretty expensive today, if you haven't looked into them. Um, what should be costing me around 1600 bucks looks like it's going to be costing me about 3000 bucks. Uh, why it occurred is still uncertain. Engineers think it might be due to the spacecraft's age or location in interstellar space. Shocking revelations. Um, that last comment falls into the no shit news for the night. And um, <clears throat> after 45 years in space, both spacecraft Voyager 1 and 2 are functioning. In 2012, Voyager 1 became the very first human-made object to venture beyond the boundary of our sun's influence known as the heliopause and into interstellar space. It's now 14.8 billion miles from Earth and sending data back from beyond the solar system. I am not Carl Sagan. Uh, the next article is over in the Smack Talk channel, and that's because it's all about Mac stuff. And it says here, Steve Jobs' signed letter and Apple IIc prototype heads to auction. I feel like this is an old article, so I'm just going to jump into it because it says it's December 13th, 2022, but I swear I have seen this exact same auction. Malcolm Owen over at AppleInsider.com is the author of this. This is arguably the biggest Apple-related lot is for a letter from Steve Jobs to Dave Kominiak, dated October 5th, 1976. The letter, a sales pitch for the original Apple I computers, includes a signature from Jobs in brown ink as well as a corrected character. <laughs> All right. Um, it's joined by an operation manual and an Apple One cassette interface document. Housed in original wrappers and held in the original Apple Computer Inc. folder. Man. Well, if you are a diehard and uh, Apple fan and you want to get this, it says here, uh, Lots featuring Jobs' signature typically end up with high prices, in part due to Jobs' reluctance to provide autographs. One job application sheet signed by Jobs sold for over $222,000. I don't know how that was ever allowed, but okay. Um, in 2021, while a check for $9.18 signed by him sold for $55,000. Okay. Um, so right here is, it says uh, two of the other Apple-related lots. So you get to see a, a picture of 
some more Apple stuff, Apple logic board, etc., etc. It's pretty neat. Um, one of the things that says <clears throat> the Apple rainbow, Apple logo light again from the nineties and meant to be hung outside a reseller store consists of a two piece light with an aluminum frame and a solid plexiglass front. I don't know. Maybe I'll bid on that. Oh, for 10 to $15,000. Guess who's not going to be bidding on that. Let's keep on hustling through the news today. This next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel because it's all about business. And it says Twitter took down the account that tracks Elon Musk's jet, but the ones tracking Mark Zuckerberg and the other celebrities are still up and running because, you know, freedom of speech. But you're not allowed to dox people, I guess. Uh, but you can post all of this other confidential information that you say is no longer confidential because you own the business. But then you blast people for talking about confidential information because now it's confidential to you, even though it's more whistleblowery than anything. At any rate, Elon Musk Twitter um, suspended the account that tracks the billionaire's private jet on Wednesday, but failed to address other accounts that follow the travel of dozens of celebrities. Why? Because he is a wannabe tyrant. Um, just give him time. He's a billionaire. He's in my opinion, moving towards that um, sociopathy that I talk about. Uh, when you distance yourself from society economically and socially, you can engage socially, but really you could care less about society because you can just buy whatever you want. And, you know, as grunts do whatever we have to do because you pay. Twitter suspended the account. but more than 30 accounts were still up and running. And the man who runs the account has expressed concern in the past that Musk would ban the account. And he said that he wouldn't, but he did because he can't trust Zuckerberg or Musk or most billionaires. Uh, Grace Key or K, Taylor Raines and Sada Bemia, uh, Bemia, sorry, Bemia. I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Apologies. Let me know uh, any way you want to. You can actually hit exclamation point S and give me the phonetic spelling. Let's see. Spell this correctly. Ta -da. And that'll actually send me a note over to Showbot. Everybody will be able to see it. I'll delete the stuff that isn't appropriate. <clears throat> And if we can't have nice things, then I'll just stop that. At any rate, um, the man who runs the account expressed concern in the past that Musk would ban the account, but Musk said that he wouldn't ban the account. And then he did. Kind of like how Meta said that they wouldn't mess with VR headsets and they would leave the company alone that was developing them. And then they changed the name to Meta. MetaQuest, by the way. At any rate, um, <clears throat> the suspension could be part of Musk's attempt to boot bot accounts off the platform as Sweeney's accounts use bots to post travel data from ADS-B Exchange, which is an independent jet tracking website that uses publicly available data to display an aircraft's location. Except that if it is uh, operated by a human being, even if it is automatically posting things, it's still policed by a human being. Um, 
some bots are eliciting responses, eliciting interaction and reacting to those communications, but that's not what this is. This is simply posting the location. Um, I think that this is a little bit mealy mouth. They're, they're manipulating the spirit of what really is going on here um, for their particular ends and not necessarily the reality of it. This is pretty cool. Sorry, there's a little video playing over in this Business Insider article um, about Musk's, Musk banning a tracking, uh, a flight tracking site or account, I should say. And it's a $133 designer bag that's made from trash. Rags to riches. Let's move on to the next article. Um, this one is the last one for today. And if you want to talk about this kind of stuff, come back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. I will do this every day um, and more so next year. Um, I was hoping to start up more stuff earlier, but it just didn't happen. Every time I tried, um, something in Omtown would pull me away and I wouldn't be able to stream more, but I'm going to in 2023. Um, this last article is in the Hedge Ideas channel. Uh, FTX's new CEO accused the collapsed crypto exchange of old school embezzlement that was not sophisticated at all. No, I think that this is the same type of um, embezzlement, um, fraud, uh, I, I, whatever you want to call it, um, that led to things like um, Adelphia Internet um, and other companies they they basically treat their company as if it is a a personally owned um, bank account and they can do with the money whatever they want to and it's simply not the case um, with crypto issuing um, conventional fiscal oversight many people think that they can do whatever they want with the revenue that's generated by their enterprise and that, again that's not the case um it's no wonder that they don't really practice the same business processes that most businesses are forced to to um, deploy throughout their enterprise um this was not a successfully audited company but what's really interesting now is that um there's another company, another crypto company, I think it's crypto.com as a matter of fact, that currently has an audit that was provided by the same uh, organization that audited the Trump organization, which just ran afoul of the law. Um, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Um, I don't have that article in here, so I can't go into greater detail about it, but I thought that it would be interesting um, to make that uh, make that known. So this guy here, um, what's his name? Bankman Freed, um, finally gets pulled into court in his four hours before the House Financial Services Committee on Tuesday. John Ray ripped into FTX's business and bookkeeping practices, 
quote, this is really just good or old-fashioned embezzlement, Ray said. This is just taking money from customers and using it for your own purposes, not sophisticated at all. Um, quote, sophisticated perhaps in the way that they were able to hide it from people, frankly, right in front of your eyes. Uh, this is just plain old embezzlement. Old school, old school. So Ray said FTX had no record keeping whatsoever. There you go. You can't audit if it doesn't exist. Building on his prior criticism of the crypto exchange for failing to maintain proper logs of internal decisions, they were basically doing this via Discord and chat um, in other ways, you know. Um, he also told lawmakers on Tuesday that FTX would use QuickBooks to track its billions of dollars of assets. Uh, Ray took aim at FTX executives in his opening statement. I think that everybody is going to be uh, brought to the table. And um, I heard something about an attorney that might be internal that um, might be making uh, disclosures. I don't know for sure. Um, I haven't really, again, I haven't really looked into it. Um, but it says here, uh, Ray said he didn't trust the records that FTX. Oh my gosh, one second. Okay, that was interesting. Sorry about that. Um, so Ray said that he didn't trust the records of FTX that managed to maintain, um, quote, we've lost $8 billion of customer money. So by definition, I don't trust a single piece of paper in this organization. They are basically going to have to do, uh, a, um, forensic restructuring of the entire enterprise, its entire existence. Um, so it says here, uh, they've been, they've never seen anything like it at, in all 40 years of doing restructuring work and corporate legal work. Uh, yeah, they're basically going to have to look uh, from the beginning to the end and try and hunt down everything. This is FBI level forensic auditor type of uh, investigation. Um, and if you ever want to get into the FBI, that's basically what you want to do. You want to, uh, you want to learn math, <laughs> math and accounting. Um, I think m most of their targets are uh, simply situated around following the money until the crime is fully monitored, like detected and, and processed and encapsulated in a cogent statement, unlike my presentations here uh, in the hometown Daily News Show. Um, that said, I think Sam Bankman-Fried is going to have a hard time um, coming out of this unscathed. But he was arrested in the Bahamas on Monday at the request of the U.S. government and was denied bail because he is a massive risk for flight. Uh, Rep. Ann Wagner asked Ray on uh, Tuesday's hearing if FTX's funds could have been transferred to Alameda by mistake, given how Bankman Freed said that he'd made a lot of mistakes as CEO. And um, Ray responded that they don't find any such statements to be credible. Yeah, this will be uh, an exhaustive audit of the company. And I will, I would love to see uh, the resulting documents of the analysis of what just went down at FTX. Um, but it was basically, as far as I could tell, a shell game where it was leveraging risk within risk, but 
converting the asset so that it was cash. It was removing the value of the, the, the Bitcoin in and of itself um, because it was transferred. It was either sold or it was leveraged in some way to extract its US dollar value. Um, and then they bought houses and whatnot. So it's going to be interesting uh, what the result is going to look like. And um, frankly, if these people would spend so much time, if they spent half the time just doing things right, they might have lower return on their investment, but they're not going to end up in jail for being a dipshit. Anyway, they're much more successful financially than me, but the dude's in jail now or, and, and so will pretty much the entire cohort of FTX. Uh, anybody that touched anything there that had fiscal responsibility, they're probably going to end up in jail or lose any ability to handle money in their future. They pissed off the wrong billionaires, I suppose. Um, that said, uh, I am Merwatt. That is, oh, oh, wait, that is omdown.com. I suddenly ended up pointing in the wrong direction. If you dig this kind of stuff, then follow me. I'd love to see that follower goal get to 100. Um, and um, let's have some chats. You know, I'm I'm here. You're here. If you're in my chat or you're over in the podcast um, or you're watching this at YouTube later on, um, just follow and then come in and say your piece. I would love to have a conversation in real time with people. And if you're interested, you can even get up there. I have an extra screen that's ready to be set up there, activated um, anytime, and I can just throw you up there, and or we can switch. If you like being in the bottom bunk, I'm good with that too. At any rate, this has been the Hometown Daily News Show for December 14th, 2022. See you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye.